Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Today has been a podcast that I've been wanting to do for a while because it is with the one and only Jack Graham, who is, I can safely say, my favourite son. Well, okay, so he's my only son. He's grinning at me. Jack is a 27-year-old and he is a freelance journalist living in London. Well, technically, he usually lives in London, but at the time of recording, he's holed up in Belfast in the family home thanks to COVID. And he's counting down the hours till he can leave us and head back to London to his partner, Lindsay, who is holding the fort as she is working in a primary school looking after key workers' children. So snaps to Lindsay. The reason I am wanting to do this podcast today is... For many parents I know, they are struggling with children who have mental health issues. And I am one of those parents. And Jack has very, very generously agreed to come on and to chat to us about what it is to live with mental health struggles. For parents, it is terribly easy to sort of under well not even understand maybe sympathize that that uh, their kids have struggles but to actually empathize and understand what's going on it's hard and so my darling boy here is um i'm hoping is going to lift the lid a little bit and explain to us to you and actually to me exactly what it feels like and what it is like to live on a daily basis with mental health struggles. So without further ado, darling Jack Graham, thank you for agreeing to speak to your mother about a fairly hefty and weighty topic. Well, how are we all doing today? (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time in the making. So thanks for having me here for this special edition in-house podcast. Yes, it is the first one. You're quite right. If we go on for too long, it might be the first of many, but I don't want to scare you away already. It's safe to say, Jack, is it, that you and I have been speaking, well, maybe I was going to say a lot more honestly, but I've been allowed to be a lot more public about your struggles following your recent blog post. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair to say. It's been a bit more out in the open since then. I mean, it was just the one blog post I made. I haven't quite delved into it massively. I mean, whilst it was quite honest, it's just the one post for now, whilst I try to make sense of it myself. But, but yeah, we've talked about it, I think. So, yeah, I, I think the thing is, is that I know, I, I know you've always had, or well, not always, but you've had struggles for quite a long time. Um, and 
I didn't feel that it was my story to tell. So whilst I knew what it was like for parents, um, I didn't want to bring you out into, um, out in, you know, I didn't want to out you really, for want of a better phrase, because it wasn't, as I said, it wasn't my story to tell. And I didn't want to um, shine the light on you before you were ready. So what was it that made you think, right, now is the right time to talk about this? Um, well, I, as a millennial, I've been online quite a lot. So I've done occasional just uh, shouts into the abyss of social media, uh, so to speak. But this is the first time I'd actually put words on paper, so to speak, for quite uh, an, a lengthy sort of telling of the story. Um, I think just like a lot of people, lockdown's been pretty tricky for me. Uh I'm not going to trivialise it or say that I'm completely unique, but I think it just got to the point where I realised that my experiences were a little bit different than others, maybe a bit more severe or what have you. I, you were hearing quite a lot of people online just saying that they were thriving uh, during lockdown, uh, learning a new instrument, uh, a new language, absolutely loving to bits and fantastic. I, I feel, I felt incredible for them. Maybe it was great to hear that. But for me, it just felt like the walls were closing in and just had a lot to get off my chest. And after speaking about it to family members, I thought, well, I've, let's just see what happens when I put it out public. So. so what was the, what was the, result of putting it out um you know what 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 reaction did you get from people um well i'm still quite a bit under the radar i'd say uh but i think the biggest shift i noticed were within family members because some of us understand uh, mental health issues but not all of us so i think my act of putting it into words was really quite illuminating for a few family members whilst they could they might not be able to understand it it certainly gave them a chance to empathize so yeah and at the same time was also i think it was quite important for me because it was a somewhat of a almost a knee-jerk reaction but it definitely left let off um a bit of pressure i would say in I don't know, in my head almost, <laughs> you know, it was nice to just sort of, for want of a better phrase, just spill my guts and be a bit more open about it. That was a bit cathartic. But So so what stopped you being open about it to begin with, you know, earlier? Just, I would say like there's a difference between our culture. It, it's only just becoming okay to speak about. Yeah. I mean, I know people have been talking about mental health for the last five, ten years, whatever, but it, I, I feel like it's only just becoming a bit more sincere. Um, and why did it? I think it was just, you know, the stars were aligning in lockdown or, and I was just struggling a bit more than normal. So. And I think, I think lockdown itself has, um, I know you sort of said that we're, we're talking about mental health a bit more, but I think lockdown did shine the light and did 
um, raise many, many issues that actually this is a real struggle for a lot of people. So probably by even opening that conversation, I, I'm not wanting to put words in your mouth, but did it actually, because it was, dare I say it, in a quote, a bit more current, did that make it easier to sort of open up or not? Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely made it uh, a bit more current. Um but I think it was still sort of going in my head as a journalist. It was a lot of the discourse you saw was just, uh, okay, don't forget to go for a walk. Don't oh, forget gosh. to do yeah. a bit of yoga uh, and then be kind to yourself. And then as if by that, oh, magic, thanks, I'm cured. Yeah. You yeah. didn't really have many first person uh, stories of it. And I just thought. And this is why I thank you profoundly because we were having this conversation yesterday which which um sort of sparked off um it was just you and i sparked off a lot of controversy just between the two of us where we were saying that mental health dare i say it is a real buzzword now and people are sort of thinking oh yeah we get mental health we really understand it and yet and and this is this is sort of wait for sharp intake of breath trigger warning we might understand mental health, but not many of us understand mental illness, do we? hundred percent. It's just, I, I get the feeling year on year, you would see hashtags, it's okay to not be okay. And that's exactly it. It's not simply feeling a bit sad one day. Well, well, it could be for some people, but for me personally, it wasn't just feeling sad one day. Oh, well, curl up on the sofa with a cup of tea and you'll be all right in a few hours. No, it's uh, something a lot deeper than that. So it has in the past infuriated me a little bit when you see a few either just corporate style hashtags of just trying to reach out and trying to make it the new trendy thing, dare I say it, um, of just, you know, speaking about this topic, but not with having, not having that real substance behind it. And it's a good thing to say, but that's sort of where my mind was at. I was a little bit annoyed of people just trying to have our special day of mental health awareness yeah. weekend. Okay, now go back to suffering in silence whilst I, I don't think that any of my friends or family would ever be so cruel so to speak it you sort of get the impression that it can be a little bit misunderstood as we have said but I, and I think that's the thing is the fact that by it, it's fantastic that mental health is brought onto the agenda and, and and long may it remain there because it's important and crucial that we um so that, that we lift the lid and that we are comfortable speaking about it. Um, my Even the very phrase that I used about mental illness, I know some people will be sucking teeth, but I think the thing is, is that we, you and I were trying to find out a different word or a different phrase, weren't we? Because I don't want to say that you're sick. I don't want to say that you're unwell or you're ill or there's something wrong with you or you're broken. But by, but by very sort of fact of calling it mental health, those that don't struggle with it and 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 experience mental health issues don't don't really get what's going on, Jack. Do they? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I don't want to use the phrase too much either, uh, as I believe it doesn't really help. But the journalist in me just says, "Oh, that's snappy." 
Yeah. You know, we understand mental health, but not mental illness. I say that's fantastic. It sums it up in your head. It's perfect. You, the message is portrayed clearly, shortly and sharply. And to be honest, it's it's got that sort of outreach. There's no other coined phrase or term for it yet. So you never know. It might, uh, in 10 years, it might the phrase might disappear and we'll find something a little bit better because... At the same time, this is what I'm learning as well. It's not just uh, one size fits all. Yes. <laughs> There's not just one type of illness. It's not just okay and not okay. So it's there's a, definitely a lot of holes in the phrase, but for me, I personally don't mind it. But that's not to say that I speak for everyone. And I'm sure I, by using the word mental illness, I'm sure I, I would upset people. So I'm in two minds whether or not it goes in the title because the last thing I want to do is upset people. But the, what I found invaluable speaking to you behind the scenes was um, I had a, 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 I was sort of speaking to a mum of a suicidal daughter um, the other day, and the daughter just left the call bereft because she said, "You just don't get it. You don't understand me. You're not getting me." And the thing is, she was quite right. We did not understand her we did not understand what was going on um but the the sad thing was we knew we could help but by the very fact that she didn't think we could relate to her she was not opening up for the support that was being offered to her so jack in your words and i know it's not a one size fits all but just even if you can cast your own light on this and sort of give us a, a little bit of a dare i say it sort of peek under the hood what what does it feel like on a daily basis for you what what is it what is it living with sort of mental health issues what is it for like for you on a daily basis um, well, I wonder if I should rewind and just sort of explain the last year or so. Maybe go back as far as you like, love. Well, I, I imagine this will just help explain it a little bit more. Um, I, I'm just so on my mental health journey, so to speak. I was um, actually in 2019, I was in a job that didn't quite fit with me in sales. Would you believe it? Uh, I wasn't particularly good and I definitely let a lot of the stress of the job get to me. Fast forward uh, about a year and a half of working there uh, and I decided, you know, enough was enough. I just can't stand it any longer. Mental health is suffering. I need just need to get out. It was in this day and age, it's pretty bizarre to just simply up and quit, given two weeks notice without a job. Uh, I definitely raised a few eyebrows, uh, not only for my own financial security people concerned about, but they just couldn't really fathom of me just saying enough is enough, I'm done. And it's because it just made me, I just didn't enjoy any part of it really, apart from, well, the team were fantastic, but the job itself was, it wasn't for me personally. Uh, so that left me to being unemployed for a number of months whilst it was truly just back to square one of job searching. Luckily, I was able to find uh, a course starting in February 2020, which was uh, journalism. So it was like, fantastic, something that really set my world on fire. And hopefully we'll start paying the bills in full at some point. 
and for those of you paying attention at home, it was only a month afterwards that dear old coronavirus decided to come knocking on our door. So that left me, whilst still quite busy, working from home on um, Zoom calls throughout the pretty much up and then until midsummer. And for me, that was just pretty exhausting. It was very difficult to get used to, feeling a bit like a prisoner in your own flat. Um, that's when, you know, I could feel outside stresses of, you know, since I was trained to be a journalist, I was obviously having to follow the news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can remember how fantastic that was around uh, April, May. So I noticed that seeping into my personal life a bit again. And uh, for example, I was drinking a bit more than I should, too much, I would say. And it just got to the point where I was, you know, having very dark thoughts. Um, My partner, Lindsay, God bless her, she was uh, getting a bit worried as well. And I just, you know, after a few too many just sort of rough nights of just feeling pretty awful I decided time to go into therapy um which has been pretty fantastic for me since and uh that's been ongoing for a few months I I felt it was a real big boost and a help to me um and then it sort of reared its head a little bit again after the my course had finished because any millennial or Gen Z will tell you just what the job market is like right now. It's tough. So that was definitely very difficult to get used to. Um, so around November, then it's uh, time for Jack to come back home just for Christmas. And dare I say it, my mental health has definitely improved. But I've been definitely been keeping an eye on it because in the last few weeks alone, we... Uh, I've even been able to make a bit more sense of it, which is quite exciting. So that's what I've been through so far. And if I'm trying to explain what a a daily day for me is like, it's very difficult to say. Some days are good, some are bad. Some days you, for example, I probably had one this week. um, You really can't even imagine doing anything. Something as simple as getting dressed out of your PJ. It's impossible. Shower out of the kitchen. It's, it can be really, really difficult. Not because the act of doing them are hard, but it's just when it comes to my depression like that, when it does rear its head, thankfully not as much as it was throughout 2020, it's just, it's difficult either the act of uh, imagining going through a working day, having a productive day is so far out of the realm of possibility that that's hard or anxiety could wring its ugly head and suddenly you're just worrying about everything under the sun. It's, it's difficult. Today, however, pretty fantastic. I And I couldn't really tell you why. It, I just woke up with a different mindset it could be that i've actually given myself permission for the first time in months not to 
jump on the hamster wheel of looking for jobs. So, you know, um, whilst I'm talking about pretty grim topics on this podcast, it's it's been a good day. So, but Jack, surely that, that, that the pressure of that of um, just not knowing when. Well, I, I, I was going to say when the alarm clock goes, but th- thankfully we're there's sort of less need at the minute with lockdown. You know, we're, we're able to keep our hours. You and I are able to keep our hours sort of more to ourselves. But when you wake up in the morning, and that anticipation, that split second of shit, is it a good day or a bad day? That that feeling must be quite debilitating, is it not? Yeah, it's. It's horrible. Um, in earlier years, uh, whenever I was, I still hadn't really made my peace with it, and I was going to a, a job that I hated. It was pretty awful. It was the worst thing in the world. Thinking about having to drag yourself out of bed, call it two hours travelling on London transport. Uh, to a job you hate for eight hours, uh, and then coming back for another an hour, two hours maybe, getting to bed. Well, you've got about enough time to eat some food, watch some telly, do it all again the next day. That is very difficult. Uh, right now, it, it's a different type of difficult. And the uncertainty that you were asking about, yeah. Because right now, one could argue I've got a bit more leeway. What do you mean by I'm, that? I'm in that I don't have a, you know, a boss. Yeah. Shouting <laughs> at me, for example. I mean, back then it was non-negotiable. Now it's quite difficult because... I, I mean, some days it's okay. Do I stay an hour, an extra hour in bed uh, because it's so tough, or do I haul my butt upstairs uh, to my wee office and do I just give it my best shot? And the more I'm learning about my own mental health and uh, any possible diagnoses, it's uh, making me realise that I'm wired a little bit differently so whilst it's difficult i'm trying my best to remember a bit more patience one day at a time even though it's quite exhausting and i'm wanting to be one two years down the road already so on the good days you grasp them and you don't let go you do your best um on whatever you want to but it's for me a lot of it comes with chance, really. So not to say that I get rid of all responsibility. If if I'm not drinking enough water, if I'm not getting maybe some, some minor exercise, because that's always a difficult thing for me. Uh, But if I'm eating well, then, you know, it's always going to put me in better stead. But you know that's not everything it's um so i do you know i try to take a bit of accountability as well don't worry but yeah it it, it is tricky to know what hand you're going to be dealt on any given day because i remember you know so when i 
um, offer advice to parents and to kids and sort of stuff like this. And this is why having you here in lockdown for the last three months has been invaluable for me. Um, dare I say it from a pro professional point of view. For, from a personal point of view, I've just been skipping through. Oh, fantastic. I've, I've, I've been loving it. But You're professionally, I've been able to understand um, that, you know, as you sort of said, it, it's that uh, we, we hear the, uh, the corporate buzzwords of have more exercise, have a good diet, get the right amount of sleep. And that's fine. And it's good to talk. And I, I get all that. I totally, totally get that. But it's still sort of it, it to me it's still a bit like sticking plaster on you know a band-aid on on sort of something a lot more serious and so what I am trying to teach you um and and you know is the art of self-compassion the art of self-love and I know it sounds woo and corny but actually as you were saying you use the words giving yourself permission to take your foot off the pedal not always have to think flip's sake because you know if I get you onto this soapbox we'll be here forever but to not buy into the fact that we are part of that society, that we are only valuable if we are sitting in front of a computer screen typing away for the next eight hours. I mean, we have been programmed that if unless you're busy, you are not valuable and it's appalling. And, and, and so I'm trying to teach you and others that we need to give ourselves some slack, don't we? Yeah, 100%. I mean... <laughs> Don't worry, uh, I won't bore your listeners with uh, an hour-long tirade <laughs> in politics. Uh, but that's it. We're, I'm doing my best to personally undo a lot of social conditioning uh, because, you know, any victory is a victory when you've got a depression, to be honest. Uh, so if you're really having a disastrous day and even if you just have a shower, that's pretty big win in my books um so it, it is about that um whilst it's difficult to it, it is difficult because uh, there is a, a bit of a hamster wheel i think that's driving us forward but i mean that's one thing that covid's taught me uh just take an off day to be yep. honest i remember just the amount of uh on my last few jobs the amount of um days of annual leave yeah. Uh, that I had left over um, and a lot of them were well you, you simply must go on a holiday and I mean whilst I love to travel simply fantastic a lot of them could be quite well spent you know just dotted around the year to be honest just a, a mental health day here and then where you've just said you know I am not answering any emails I'm yeah not asking a single thing out of yourself. I mean, if you like reading, then go read. If uh, you like exercising, I don't know, jump on a bike. Or if you like art, something that just you're happy doing. I mean, oh, I, I would have uh, enjoyed it by sitting on my bum and probably playing PlayStation games. But hey, if, if it, it definitely would have made me happy. And if it sort of lets off uh, some steam, then yeah, I, it's definitely important to have that. And it's important to allow yourself to do, um, to take that time to unwind, to take that time out so that um, 
not that it makes the the dark days less dark that's unfair but it's i think it's just trying to get some semblance of balance back isn't it and to to acknowledge because i mean at the minute there's you know the kids are about to go back to school this will probably air after that but there's so much anxiety out there of the expectations of what we all should or shouldn't be doing and it's quite a brave move to step away from that isn't it yes um whilst i know that it's not possible for everyone to do so i'll I'll count my blessings that at least for now, I'm not having to worry about rent, you know. It's uh, one of those things Yeah. Uh, as I'm uh, at home in Belfast. But you're right. It's, um, it's personally, I, I don't believe that you should live to work. I think yeah. you should work to live, which seems very counterintuitive. So I just remember... Um, when when I was in school, it was all essentially mapped out for me already, and the expectations were there. So much so, I think I came back with on after my first week of secondary school, a bit of a morbid outlook. Oh, I remember your first day going into secondary school. I remember it so vividly. Um, in, let, let me just indulge me whilst I say the story. And you were eleven. And you were sitting in the back of the car and I was sort of going, oh, my God, it's so exciting. You've gone from little school to big school and blah, 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 blah. And you just sat there and you just went, this is it, isn't it? And I went, what? And you went, this is it. And I went, well, what do you mean? And you said, I've got school and I've got studies and I've got exams and I've got GCSEs and A-levels. And then if I want to, I'm going to university and then I'm just working. And I thought, oh, my God, 11 years old, you were looking at your future like that. Pretty and actually, Yeah. You know, yeah. But actually, the sad thing was, Jay, you were quite right. I mean, apart from a, through a few sort of stolen holidays and, you know, that's basically what we're setting our children up for. And And, and I think it's so important that somehow we pull ourselves and try and invent a different way of living, whatever that may be for us. Hmm. Yeah, uh, 100%. That right now that comes with, um, you know, stealing those moments, so to speak, as we've mentioned. And uh, whilst I would like to see the world operate a little bit differently, it's not going to happen overnight. So Mm -hmm. it, it is important to sort of, realize how to navigate the the current world that I'm in really so that's when for example the depression got a little bit worse when I had uh, this moment of realization again I suppose in 2020 uh, of just you know this is it again and I think that's really what sort of sort of sets me off just it could be this lack of creativity. It could be just no end in sight. It could just be the fact that I don't have as much influence as I'd like. It, it's a number of things. There's a whole shopping list. But, yeah, it, it is important, I think, just, you're right, to, uh, without wanting to sound like... Uh, my career's specialist, as a, or a, <laughs> um, 
that I always ignored through school. It, it would just be finding <laughs> something, I guess, that just sets your world on fire. I'm still trying to find it myself. And Sweetheart, I'm still trying to find it. I, I, I do, I've done career changes every big birthday. And um, I, I think the wonderful thing is, is that, um, especially for you guys as millennials, you can now... Uh, one hopes look forward to having a career portfolio rather than when, you know, my generation was very much you've got to get a, either a job in the bank or be a solicitor or be a nurse or doctor, and then that'll be you for life. At least you have the opportunity. And both you and Alice, uh, my daughter, have done U-turns even at this young age. Um, you know, you did you 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 studied languages and then you went into sales and then you went into journalism. And who knows, you know, and, and I think it goes back to the permission word, doesn't it? Allowing yourself to do what suits you and what floats your boat right here, right now. And if it's different next year or if it's different in three years time, that's OK. Yeah, um, I, I just hope that your listeners don't think I'm a pessimist. I consider myself to be a bit of a realist, but I'm as pretentious as that sounds, part of me just thinks that, well, a lot of the millennials these days especially, um, almost back about 10, 15, 20, however many years ago, were all sort of sold a bill of goods, you know, of, uh, okay, you know, work hard, you'll achieve everything. Yeah. Little did we know about uh, when you graduate from university or leave school you know you might be saddled with a lot of debt for example find it a little bit difficult to get on the housing ladder especially if you're in London it's there are a couple of barriers in a way so I, I know that it's it's important to recognize this but I, I still think that that shouldn't get in your way I mean uh, okay you you could still have quite a lot of working in a job and it it's part of me just thinks it's still these roadblocks that life are going to set you in a way are still going to be there the next 10 years are coming regardless so what would you rather do you know at least try and find something you like or do you just want to you know um just keep smacking your head against the wall. As no, and I think that's the thing. And I think this is the the point. And this is what I mean. I it's sort of that sort of takes me sort of slightly neatly into yeah. This is a struggle. Life is a struggle. And um, you can either roll over and just sort of sort of uh, submit to that, or you can just. I was, I, I, it's God. It sounds so patronising. Put your best foot forward, and um, you know, sort of embrace this wonderful world that it is actually yes there are there are struggles yes there are roadblocks but also there is a hell of a lot of love there is a hell of a lot of compassion and there's a hell of a lot of good out there if we choose to embrace it Hmm. um jack just just looking you know because it's quite interesting you i'm going to sort of do a sort of slight deviation here you have spoken about having depression and i remember writing um, I wrote a, a handout about three years ago um, about um, mental health. And you see these things come back to bite you on the nose, don't they? And and this, this sort of handout was, whilst I appreciate that medication is, um, you know, is one avenue, please don't think it's the only avenue. Because I was speaking to, there were a load of kids about three or four years ago, and they were sitting there, they were teenagers at a 
I think it was either an it was either an 18th or 21st birthday, and they were sitting there going, "Oh yeah, yeah." They were chatting at breakfast after the party, and it was basically saying that I think it was 60 to 65 percent of them had been or had been prescribed uh, meds, antidepressants, and I was horrified by this. And I basically said to a couple of doctor GP friends of mine, "What is going on here? Why are these kids?" being offered medication as as the sort of only resort. And so I was very anti-meds for a while until my darling son went on medication. And it's it's sort of not being the making of you, but t- tell us about that and, you know, how, how meds have changed yeah, your mental health journey. It's definitely changed my life. Um, and- Positively or negatively? Definitely positively. And whilst uh, I agree, I don't want it to be the sticking plaster. I think it's a bit of a supplement as part of the larger journey. I mean, I I could be on them for years. I could be on them for a few more months. I just don't know. But right now I know that they're, they're working. And does it matter? Because I hear you. I hear um, you know lots of sort of people going, "Oh, like I don't want to put my child on meds because they're addictive and they'll be." But actually, my view is seeing the change that you have experienced, having taken this sort of option. It's it's it, I I I can't see any negatives at the minute. It is slightly broken that cycle. I'm not saying you're cured, but it's slightly broken that dark cycle for you, has it not? I mean, yeah, of course. I think that attitude of uh, not wanting to get addicted is coming. It might come with good intentions, but it's coming from, for want of a better phrase, a place of ignorance. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, for me, it uh, pretty much gave me a bit of a life raft um, yeah. when I was out to sea, if you want a metaphor. Mm-hmm. It lifted me out of a big hole. It just meant that whilst I was really spiraling on their days with anxiety and as well, which remember is separate from depression, I've learned the differences. Well, okay, go on then. Explain the difference to those that don't know. So depression comes in a, f- a few forms, but mainly the way I experienced it was just that sort of sluggishness, that black cloud, uh, a little bit of nihilism as well comes with it. Um, It saps at your energy quite a lot, and it generally just, to me, it could quite easily immobilise you. Anxiety, on the other hand, was a sort of a different beast. It was, for me, it was the sort of that almost five or six instances of just worrying uncontrollably, uh, either shortness of breath, um, things like that. It, it was just quite intense worrying and it's very difficult to get out of that because you could start spiralling and then... Panic attacks? Uh, yeah, I've definitely had them in the past. Uh, not as rarely as you would expect, but yeah, it... It definitely felt personally to me a bit more manic. Uh, and yeah, it, they often come in pairs, these two. So mm-hmm. it, it's quite a nice little cocktail to have to worry about. So 
it, for me then medication was fantastic it's all well and good telling someone oh you just need to do more exercise well it's a bit effing difficult for me to do that if you know I can't even find the will the energy mm-hmm. anything to just put on my trainers yeah uh so yeah and I think that's I think that's a hard thing for parents to understand is that you know it it's it's that total apathy it is the it's not it's not um a choice really is it it's just like someone's just taken the plug out of the wall and um as you sort of said earlier it's that even the very physical act of getting out of bed is just it's debilitating yeah yeah so i understand how some people just completely don't get it but i guess that's why you know, I talk about it. Not hopefully not ad nauseum. <laughs> no, but but I tell you what was interesting, and and um, I just want you to share this um, so with, with, with the listeners is what because you really you really opened my eyes here when I sort of said to you right, explain to me, explain to me what is going on in your head, and. Um. It's hard. I mean, I, I remember the, the the phrase you said, for God's sake, mother, it, you know, that's a bit like trying to explain orange to a blind man. You know, we as parents, we can get the gist. So what you're about to say now, sorry, I just talked straight over you. But what you're about to say now is your experience, but it might give parents a little bit of a window into, oh, OK, this could be similar for my child. Yeah. Right. Well, it it is very difficult because only in the last year or so, I've only realized that this is different. For example, my lovely partner, Lindsay, uh, has never, ever had these, you know, either thoughts. So it's completely alien and scary to her. God bless her. Uh, Likewise, my dear old dad, he's in the same boat. So well, he doesn't really. Yeah, he, he he's he does. He's a sort of he doesn't hasn't experienced it. So he he finds it hard to relate to, doesn't he? Yeah. So I've only really even begun thinking and how to vocalize these thoughts and feelings in the last few weeks alone. Um, but I do have a bit of a list here. One of the main ones I got, I just felt like my brain was pretty foggy, for example. Mm-hmm. So like it had a layer of gunk around it so it was you know a bit like you're moving through treacle uh I yeah one child said to me it's like having Weetabix in their head so that's so that's uh depression I thought uh when it comes to the likes of a bit more extreme of suicidal thoughts it's having a little voice on your shoulder just sort of uh niggling in your ear uh, on the worst days, it you wouldn't be able to shut it up. Uh, on the better days, you just uh, go, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever, sort of bat it away into the long run. And grass. what's it saying to you? I mean, it's, it's you know, it's never just, it's not always words. Sometimes it's just thoughts of just... Yeah, okay. And it can be simple as, okay, you've uh, met a minor little setback and it's like, oh, well, you know, you could... Um, kill yourself for example and you go oh shut up that's ridiculous move on with your day but otherwise that can be quite you know that that, that can knock you for sex sometimes mm-hmm. and you know and it's a bit tricky to break out of that 
Um, a few more thoughts I've had um, is having bees in my head, for example. So that's when I realise it's things are just I'm getting a bit overstimulated, or I think that's lending a bit closer to ADHD. But you know, let's not. <laughs> I, I'm not a doctor. Um, I've yeah, I've um, had a few times. I mentioned earlier wanting to let off steam like a pressure cooker if i feel mm. like my head's getting a bit too hectic i've i remember as well um regularly walking to work and just feeling exhausted and just something whatever and just wanting to it sounds bizarre but to crack my head open like an egg just to mm. relieve some of the pressure going um and that's a lot of them those are a few of the ones i've got so far oh another one that you liked that you felt was quite useful in explaining was whenever i was up late at night for example just trying to get to sleep and my brain was absolutely whirring whilst this won't be suicide and depression i would say if i my head was racing so much it felt a bit like an AI was learning to speak. So I would be getting thoughts, memories jumbled in, just brain absolutely whirring as I'm just trying to get to sleep. And yeah, so. I think that was, that was a real one that made me suddenly realize is the fact that some of it, and, and now I can understand why you would, you know, sort of want to drink too much just to slow it all down and numb it because you said it's it's you know it's a bit like a computer that you have given it all the words in the world and all the memories in the world and you've just pressed go and it just goes whoosh and it just won't stop and that is you know that's that's just exhausting Hmm. yeah and i i imagine that's why my drinking did get a lot worse since you mentioned it it was just a bit of a numbing effect I've got a much healthier relationship with uh, alcohol now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a real positive. But yeah, but that's where I was turning to a lot of the times, especially with uh, a successful partner who was uh, working normal days. Um, you know, and if I was still... Like the system said you should. That's mm -hmm. the thing, isn't it? Oh, well, no, she's doing something different. I don't think the system likes teachers anymore, so... Well, the, the, rest of, the rest of the blimmin' world loved them. So the country, our country, those parents that have been subjected to homeschooling mm -hmm. think teachers walk on water. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. But while she was going to bed at a normal hour yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was burning the midnight oil just to, even if I didn't have the most productive day, it was sort of reclaiming the night and time yeah. for yourself. Um Japanese had a fantastic uh, word for it, which is a bedtime procrastination. Yes, which I, I, I really subscribe to. Whenever your day is so chaotic or everything just feels a mess, often I was staying awake for as long as possible at the night just because it felt a bit like free time in averted yeah, commas. So, God, I can you know, you're not expected to be productive at one or two in the morning you're just there to have fun and you know watch yeah. rubbish on telly but you know when you're doing that every night of the week it's not very healthy so that's one of the things that led to me seeking help i would say 
So, Jack, this is a parent and teen podcast. The majority of people who are listening to this are parents. Of course, yeah. So, obviously, I want them, you know, if they, if they, they think this would be helpful is to share it with their kids. But what, from, from someone that is struggling, what, and is a son, um, what would you say to parents or to me, what can I do that helps, makes it easier, that I need to understand? What is it that parents can do? Because at the minute where we feel like our hands are tied and, and it's it's just we don't know, we're full of the mum guilt, we don't know what to do, and we can't do right for doing wrong. So as parents, what should we do for kids who are struggling? Uh, in my experience, it was just being present, really. I remember uh, when I was first being honest with uh, you and dad about it, you're wanting to fix everything and yeah. get the magic wand out. Understand that you can't fix everything. You can definitely ease things and make it a lot better. For example, whenever I was really struggling, um, you know, yeah, a cup of tea is pretty fantastic. Yeah, okay. That's pretty great, if you ask me. <laughs> Something as simple as that. You don't need to sit uh, kids down and have a big old talk or a spiel. Who tell me how you feel? Because as I'm learning, it's really difficult to even explain that. If they're looking for advice i would just say be present uh they'll and if you can build that dynamic of trust of mutual trust then ultimately kids should be able to come to their parents out of their own volition i know which <laughs> uh, from experience i imagine you can say is really difficult one of the hardest parts of the job so well, and I, I i can so relate to trying to fix um, and then I remember, and you've pulled me up on it in a, a few times and it's all oh, right. Okay. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's really sort of quite interesting is that, yeah, simple, simple presence is, is enough. And I know, um, trying to open up that dialogue is, I just remember a couple of times, um, that you have opened up, you know, has been literally when I'm about to go to bed, that's hence your bedtime procrastination and you've sort of said to me do you just want a cup of tea at 11 30 at night and I knew that that was the time for me to drop everything and just make myself available to you and I think the thing is is that us parents are so desperate that we, oh tell me what's wrong I know that you're not feeling correct and see you've lost a spring in your step blah 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 let me help you and actually it's needing to give you the kids forgive me at 27 but you the kids control of how the conversation should and shouldn't go is that fair enough yeah and i mean i i know that you recognize whenever for want of a better phrase you feel like you're suffocating yeah and, i'm yeah. still learning love well of course i don't even know when it is myself it's i joked earlier it's almost as if i should have uh two little badges on yeah. uh, a shirt or a lapel just to say okay i'm in a good mood and oh no stay away i'm in a bad yeah. mood so <laughs> it's it's a balancing act. Uh there's no silver bullet of um or flow chart to follow, so to speak. So I would just say getting to know um your kids or whoever is suffering suffering mental illness. If if you are looking for a quick uh maybe an an indicator, mm -hmm. uh, I've read about the idea of just 
developing a one to ten scale to sort of communicate it. Jack Graham I tried it, but you do you do not even know what your mother does. This is this I is, don't. This no, you see, this, ladies and gents, this makes me laugh because it's a bit like cobblers and their kids. You know, their their, their kids are walking around barefoot. Jack, I had an exercise called Three Questions to Ask Your Uncommunicative Child. I, and, and this is shame on me because I haven't told you about it. But you're right. The first question is... completely. Yes, yeah, seriously. The first question is, what is your number? And that is on a scale of one to ten, how are you feeling? And one is, let's face it, suicidal, um, you know, and really, really struggling and dark thoughts. And ten is skipping through the tulips doing absolutely brilliantly thank you don't need anything yeah well to me you don't touch either numbers um really i mean 10 would be unobtainable really and i never hope to see a one so yeah but it yeah as i'm sure your listeners will know better than me almost it's a good metric yeah it is the second the second question and ladies and gents listening to this um use this exercise once a day don't overuse it otherwise your teen definitely your teen will lose the will to live um the second question is what is your word and that is a describing word of how are you feeling today how's your day been um and and shit doesn't work it's got to be a describing word and it could be optimistic it could be hopeful it could be excited or it could be depressed suicidal um betrayed whatever um and that allows you the opportunity to without asking too many questions because i've learned with jack that it's actually i communicate better through whatsapp by just sending in memes um and stuff like that which basically is saying i'm here um i i don't want to suffocate you and then the third question is do you want to talk and I think that's the thing is the majority of time the answer is no all I I can still hear it on a record crack record of Jack Jack just politely saying no you're all right thanks no you're all right thanks and that's just please just leave me alone because it's really hard sweetheart isn't it to verbalize what's going on in your head in an eloquent way if you haven't a bloody clue what's going on no, uh, or if you take it for normal, uh, whilst I I don't think there's anything abnormal about me, so to speak, you know, it's only in the last year I've realised that, okay, this is different, my reality is different from everyone else's. So this is why I wouldn't, I used to be a bit closed in my relationship with Lindsay, for example. It's It would take a little bit more for me to open up. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, but you're right. Some days you just don't feel like talking and yeah. And I think that's what parents have to respect is is I, I use the phrase um, bringing families together through parenting less. And sometimes we just need to back off. Sometimes we just need to walk in, cup of tea, cup of hot chocolate, piece of toast, whatever it is, and walk away again because it's not our responsibility to put, or it's not our job to put the responsibility of our happiness onto our kids. And if they are struggling, we need to support them, but not give them the added pressure of placating us about our own worries. Yeah. So in your work, I think you've mentioned it before, but the way the Parents don't have to be everything for their kids. Yeah, uh, for me, it's been pretty fantastic to go through therapy, um, which has really helped having a professional. But at the same time, talking to 
my uncle as well, who who wouldn't be as emotionally involved as uh, my mum. It's uh, it's quite good because we can speak a bit more openly, maybe about certain topics. And, and I think you're quite right, uncle, because uh, I remember um, when you were doing work experience in London. And you weren't in a very good space then. I think you'd had your heart broken and you were having a horrid time. You were in, I think it was lower six or upper six. And you went to stay with Will. Um, and I just sort of said, just keep an eye on Jack, would you? I, I, you know, he's not opening up to me. And Will's response, and he, he sort of came back and he went, no, 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 we had a good chat. And my immediate reaction, I wanted to go, tell me, tell me what's going on. And I knew that that would, that's just not on. I think the thing is, is, for kids also to find someone that holds their confidence as Will does with you. And my view is, okay, I, I have to sort of relinquish that control and accept as a parent that parents don't always know. But the the long term, the, the 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 end result is a happier child. So it's not it's not about the parents. It's not about how we have to all get involved. And I, I am just blessed that you and Will have a relationship where he's probably less emotional than me and you are able to share with him what's going on. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And at the same time, I sort of learned that uh, each member of the family has a different, can bring a bit more to the table or has a different role to play. At, at the same time, I noticed that my girlfriend, it's not her full-time job to yeah. therapy. That's fair enough as well. Yeah. We'll support each other through thick and through thin. I need to start working on myself as well. Uh, yeah. I can't just rely on her to, every time she comes back after work, just to emotionally just unload everything that's gone on or how I'm feeling. So, how, what, what do you do? Let, let's sort of start wrapping this up. But what do you do as a young person who is struggling with mental health issues? What what would you, what advice would you give to your sort of, I don't know, 16-year-old former self? What advice would you give to any young person or any person with um, mental health issues? What would you say, you know, here, here's what I do, give it a try? I don't think it's changed much in the 10 years since I've been out of school. So I would just say, well, actually, no, the, the feelings haven't changed, but I think kids are getting a lot better at speaking about it, yeah. for example. And I think that's really crucial. So just be open with your mates about it, because that's a pretty massive one. That can be something as stupid as just sharing memes as we said which you know i love a bit of millennial humor it's a yeah. great way of dealing with it because they're wildly shared images and thoughts in a succinct way and it's, it's quite easy to just chuckle at them and scroll on but at the same time it is, it is important to have those uh chats every once in a while uh check in with one another uh since especially right now you won't be seeing them every single day it's, it's good just to do a quick vibe check and just see how they're getting on and because if you don't chat about it then you feel like you're the only one really uh and <laughs> i've definitely learned that i'm not the only one with uh, depression anxiety imposter syndrome everything <laughs> it affects yes. more people than you think so you know a problem shared can be a problem halved and forgive me but it's a damn sight easier uh than chatting to your parents about it so yeah. i would say that's another pretty big one that's worth mentioning thank you my darling well 
thank you. Thank you for your honesty and thank you for your time. And um, I, I just, yes, it, it's just been, it's been very useful for me. And I, I am sure that you have helped uh, many parents just sort of get an inside view of what it can be like for someone who is struggling. So anytime. Well, that being said as well, if uh, anyone did want to reach out to me, they're more than welcome to. It's, uh, I think it is important to share. And if you're finding it quite difficult, I know it'd be a bit odd reaching out to a stranger, maybe. No, it's but... not. Sometimes it's a lot easier. So I, I'll put your contact details in the show yeah. notes. I'm on Twitter uh, at It's Jack Graham. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to reach me. But yeah, details will be in the description. You do. And your blog post is, um, I'll, I'll do a link to your website. And um, yeah. Oh, very um, important. Yeah. That's uh, jack-graham.com. Yeah. Thank you, my darling. Well, much, much love. And um, I shall, well, I'll see you in a minute. Go and put the kettle <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Chat soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.